each time I put those carbs in, it went in at about that three to one ratio. Yeah. 500 grams gave me about 2,000 grams of weight, which is about six or seven pounds. Hmm. When I did the other, the carb up was like 12 or 1,500. It did the same thing. I went from 196 to like 208, yeah. and I was 206 the next morning, something like that. It all like it mathematically worked out actually really well, and there was no water retention at all. Like. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Muscle Minds with Dr. Scott Stevenson. I'm Scott McNally, and uh, all of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. Uh, what's going on, man? We've had a we've had a couple of weeks off here. Uh, you yeah. were at uh, I I don't believe we call it Team Universe anymore. We call it the Universe. It's fucking Team Universe. You were it's at always the Universe. Team universe. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It'll always be Team. You know, it's funny. Years ago. How long ago was this? So my buddy, we just I just mentioned Mike Gustafson was doing the Naba universe. Yes. Which was like two weeks before the universe or the NPC universe. Okay. Um, so he was he's a WFF Naba pro. Yeah. And that's like the whole intermingling in history of all those groups. But Naba is like the original. Like that's where, you know, Arnold Franklin, those guys had their starts. It's still I don't even know. I don't even know where it stands now in the UK, but Naba's been around for it's, forever. I'll tell you what it stands. Uh, so I talked to some of the guys about North American this. Bodybuilding Association. Yeah, yeah. So they're yeah. they're known as being like a very old school organization still, and I think they're a little bit behind the times because like that mm-hmm. is it the the PCA. I think that they're kind of on the cutting edge of everything. Uh, I think that yeah. Naba does, if I'm not mistaken, I think they do an like an, a, a straight through show. That they don't have morning yep. and night show, so they're, yeah, yeah. Well, what I meant by that, yeah, you're totally right. All that's dead on. So like, not. I think there's a split too, kind of like uh, as there is in the IFBB as well. Yeah, this is like when the last time I looked at it, it was just because the personalities are strong and they just can't get. We, we can't all get along. It's, right. It would be too unhuman to get along and like, <laughs> you know, work towards a common cause. But so the Naba was like, like it's up in like Pennsylvania, like the Northeast New England area. Okay. But there's also WFF. So Naba or one sect of Naba has joined with WF and you, and they're like an international. Oh. So they have a world championships and the universe and they float like he went to Pretoria, South Africa where Arnold did the Olympia. I'll be damned. Yeah. And, and competed there, you know, and, and my buddy Mike. So he'll, he'll probably watch this or at least listen to it. So. Yeah. Anyway, it was funny because I was two weeks out, and he came and stayed with me for a week because it was in Orlando. Yeah. Um, interesting weekend because there was like four bodybuilding shows in Orlando. This is long before COVID, of course. Yeah, uh, at right. that time, like there was that, and then there was like another or- a national organization, and then there was like I think two NPC shows. Okay. All in one sm- a relatively small city, kind of cool. But I went in, and they people. I was, it was hot. It was you know summertime, and they're like. Um, what class are you in? I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not competing. And it was all about Mike. I was there to help Mike, you know. And they kept on like forcing me to like, like, come on, you should just, you should just jump in. Yeah. And um, they actually heighted me. That's the first time I created my height was. I'm five eight, which okay, which is good to know. I actually had that done again. Oh, I have. Int- I don't know if I should talk about that, but I had an interesting experience from the universe this year. But anyway, that year they wanted like, 
literally they hided me, they weighed me, like this is where you'd be. They have like a they have like different levels of muscularity division. So yeah. at your height, they had like four different categories you could go into, divisions, classes, I don't even know what term they use, but so kind of like we have basically um men's uh the board shorts, classic bodybuilding and then open essentially. Yeah. So physique, classic and then open, they had like four categories. I can't remember what they called them. And I was in like the heaviest one. And they're like, oh, you could win. Huh. I actually thought about doing it because I could have like gotten a pro card in NABA WBFF. Everyone was saying that I could. And I'm like, well, if I do that, then, I, then I, they're, probably, they're not going to let me go to the universe. Oh, yeah. Because the year before, I had gotten second at the universe. So I was one okay. place away from a pro card. So I was thinking – you know, maybe who knows? Didn't yeah, happen. Put your eggs in that basket. Yeah, but I'm like, it was, so it would, would have been funny. I like, I could have been like, had it all worked out. You know, in a, I could have been Mr. Universe and then Mr. Universe simultaneously in two different organizations, and yeah. no one would have known because <laughs> it would have been on the down low. Right. So anyway, so many different things there. But I, I did the. I wanted to talk about just because. Some people know this, but when I, you know, somebody, I just compete because I, it's my thing, and then I want to take that information and then distill it and bring it back to people. Yeah, yeah. I've got some stuff um, to talk about other than this. Like one thing that kind of people were flabbergasted about when I talked to them about it was that I do my own color. Oh yeah, I figured that out last year, Mm -hmm. and I did that for the Masters Nationals. I did that for the um, the Team Universe this year. So easy. It's Liquid funny. Sunrays, so easy. You know, here's the thing, Scott, is that I did my own color. I was resistant to using spray tan mm-hmm. until 2017, the last season I competed. And then yeah. I just spray tanned every time. And I'll tell you what, man, to me, I would say the exact same words. So easy. Because I didn't have to I didn't have to do it myself. I didn't have to think about it. I just went in. Right. Had my sock or didn't have my sock, depending on what day it was, and right. uh, got sprayed, turned, sprayed, and then I went home. It was even, uh, I didn't have to think about it. And to me, I think that there's a new generation, I don't think that they even know what you're about to talk about, this this putting it on yourself. Like, that's, that's I know, archaic. That's, that's, that's why I'm talking <laughs> about it, yeah. Well, here's the thing, you're, if you were staying in the host hotel. Yeah. The you know two hundred dollars a night host hotel or more um, right <laughs> or yeah just crazy and you just have to walk down yep <clears throat> and it's a smaller show the time is reasonable it makes sense I think it was they all get kind of blurred together but it may have been last year when I did it was might have been the team universe and I had a, an appointment set up with the the host tanning um, the official tanning group. And they sent me my time, you know, late afterwards. And I was staying at an Airbnb yeah. to save a little money. And it's like, oh, 3.30 a.m. Whoa, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I ended up going with – I just can't, literally I just canceled that and went with – I mean I just – I took the money and I just swallowed it, you know, because mm. I, I just didn't want – because I was going to have to drive – get up and get – like. 2:45 in the morning which that could affect your prep. anyway yeah it, it'll just, yeah it's just it's just awful it's a terrible thing yeah. there's so many things that happen at, I don't want to make this a bitch session like at the big shows where they have you for instance the masters nationals issue they had a standing for uh, I didn't time it. it it seemed like like eons but at least 45 minutes just standing hmm. and because of um, 
I guess because of COVID, there's no no bands um, allowed, so there's no, nothing to pump up with. What? They moved you from the pump up area to a line, and then they lined up the three groups, and there was you know twenty guys in a in a weight class. No bands. In the yeah, so nothing like not even flip flops. They just didn't want any mess back there, I guess. Okay. Huh. Which normally, so there's no no pumping, and you're just standing there, literally. Wow. You know, um, which which affects everyone equally, so it's not like sure. you know. But it doesn't make for the best on stage appearance, I don't think. Sure, sure. But back to the tanning. So yeah. if you're, if yeah, you're right. You just you don't have to do anything. You have to think about it. It is true, and I will say this: sometimes you get someone like, okay, she's obviously usually it's a, a woman with a man, not always, but most of the tanning that I've seen and done is mainly women doing the spray tanning. Every once in a while, a guy, because women can spray guys and women can spray women, but guys can't spray women. Yeah. So you're yeah, you're kind of uh, that's not gonna not gonna work. But sometimes they know what they're doing, yeah, because they know how important it can be. And then every once in a while, I'll run into someone and and they have a rough job. So don't get me wrong; like they're dealing with all these crabby bodybuilders, you know, who are like spaced out and ketotic and dehydrated, and oh, yeah. you know, they say, "Okay, turn this way," and they turn the wrong way and lift your arm and they lift their leg and they're all kind of fucked up. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how unfun it can be if you don't take it with the right attitude but you don't always get the best service you don't it's kind of a crapshoot yeah. so um rather than having to drive over and take that extra time i just start i just i think it was one of the shows here in florida that was driving distance from my house was the first time i did it last year liquid sun rays sticks on my skin like none other i don't know yeah. what it is about the ph of my skin the chemistry of my skin maybe they just have a phenomenal product yeah <laughs> I think the products are evolving over time, but oh yeah, literally. I think it cost me like I was. I've got a big jug of it now, but I used I think two little mitts. You can get them on Amazon. Mm -hmm. I think I maybe ordered one with a new bottle. Even use an old bottle the second time. It was a year old. Just to see. I just wanted to see if it would go bad. Didn't go bad. Yeah, it's like nine dollars. Yeah, to tan myself as opposed to two hundred or one fifty. I found with liquid sun rays, I like using a roller better. Yeah. I found that for me, I could get it more evenly. I had a weird combo that I really liked. Now, for me, liquid sun rays seems, for me, it sits on my skin a little bit dark, and I feel like it takes away from my, that I have a problem with tanning, really. It, it does to me, too. It takes yeah. away a lot. I've, yeah. I look like I lost six weeks. Yeah. So here's what I've done. I like the tone of that. I'll, I, look, I, I like the tone of liquid sun rays. I like the thickness of protan. Protan is really, it's that real thin, but it's kind of weird color, like orangey, you know? What I've yep. done is yeah, I've uh, used liquid sun rays first, applied to that the night before, uh, or excuse me, applied that Thursday night, and then Friday morning take a shower, and then it, mm. it all washes off. But okay. now I... Yeah, and now I'm stained, and I have like a, a golden brown, reddish stain. And then from there, I apply the protan and leave the, the layers of protan on. And I'll do yeah. that like maybe three layers of protan. Then by Saturday morning, I'm I have nice color, and it's still really thin. It's like protan thin, but with that really nice color that you get from liquid sun rays. And I know they say like don't mix these; you could have bad reactions. But it that's what worked for me. I mean, it's just it's been a while, but talking to Nikki Henry, Dave Henry's wife, who worked yeah. for Protan, you know, with Carla, everyone knows Carla Salati. She's she's been around, you know, if you don't know who Carla is and you haven't competed in the last like 20 years. 
<clears throat> at a, a major NPC show at least. So it's it's kind of a crapshoot. Everyone's got a different formula. Yeah. Like they were like Branch Warren, I guess, was someone who always had problems. You know, he always turned green. Yeah. And they always had to figure things out for various people. Um, seems pH seemed to be one thing they kind of target. But yeah, it's a little bit different for everybody. So In the thing with me about, about the Liquid Sunrise is I don't even know. I would like to do that, but I, I put it on and literally a week later – I still have just as much color as most people do. Like some people, it comes all the way off. It's, it's gone. Yeah. For me, it's, it's just stays forever. So, which I don't mind, but yeah. it makes it hard to do experiments because you can't get back to kind of a baseline, no color situation from, I can at least for a long while. And I find too, that adds a complication. If you do back to back shows, the way the, the tan uh, adheres to my skin, the first show, is different than two weeks later or three weeks later. And I found the same thing with clients too, that, you know, usually it doesn't, that second time doesn't stick very well. We got a question actually that kind of, and I have a question for you. Related? Uh, Yes, related. Uh, Corey Wright says, uh, have you ever used tanning injections? So I think he's talking about melanotan. And let me take that one step further. Do you think it's, back in the day when I started, Scott, we used to get a really rich base tan before we applied the color. Do we mm-hmm. even? Do you think we even need to have a base tan in order to get a tan? In, in order to tan nowadays, because I feel like this stuff is so good. I mean, you could be look at Ian Valier. I mean, obviously one one of his mm-hmm. shows he didn't look great this year. His color was a little off, but when he nails it, I mean, he's just as good as anyone else, and he's a as pasty of a Canadian as you can get. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the the people who have the whitest skin, they actually this came up on Foo Ads podcast because Ian's on there, and um, so is uh, James Hollingshead, and they're both, yeah, both. pasty white. Yes. And and James, I, I think James agreed with this, but Foo has like you you lo- seems like you lose a little bit from you know your you know, normal skin tone, Instagram pictures to what you see on stage. Yeah. And yeah. I've always felt that. Me too. Like, that I, I lose a ton, like, and you, you can't not do it. I mean, really, unless, I mean, even like ever, even, even guys who are the blackest, the black will still do it. Yeah. Put it on. I think sometimes they lose something too. They yeah. like the, the, the most dark skin competitors who actually end up too dark. Yeah. That could um, be an issue. That can be an issue depending on and some of it's like the guessing with the, the lighting that they may have at the show. So true. Yeah. As far as the tanning goes, it's an interesting thing because, um, tanning in and of itself, I mean, what you're doing is, you know, you're, it's an insult. I always use the sort of the tanning as a, as an analogy for training. You know, if you wanted to get a good tan, you wouldn't like go to the tanning booth for like two hours once a week. Right. You know, you tan a little bit each day. Yeah. So it's an insult. It creates an inflammatory response. And that, you know, could, I don't know, I've never, I don't even, I'd have to really, really dig and dig and dig, but it's something where you're, you're constantly, you're, you're training your skin, at least in a certain sense, to deal with that, that incoming, this case, UV radiation and, 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 and at least maintain some general inflammatory health, let's say, Uh some resilience, which may, may impact how it deals with the chemicals that you, that come with the tan. Yeah. So let's say you're, you never have any chemical exposure. Um, and this, and this fits generally with, with immunology in a certain way. I don't know how much of a generalizability there is from tanning to using color, but you know, if your skin's being tanned regularly, you're getting an inflammatory response. Actually, same thing happens with shaving too. There's a little bit of uh-huh. an issue here too. Somebody else you shave and like 
like for the second show, I didn't use a razor. I just did a, a, a buzz. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I like yeah. that better. Yeah. You can't tell the difference either, you know? <clears throat> can't. And the hair grows back anyway to some degree. By the end of the day, you know, <laughs> not that it's, you're being judged that night, but yeah. if, you, if you, let's say you, for you, exactly, if you tan on Thursday, you shave beforehand. Right. And there's all day Friday. And like if you're a particularly hairy guy and you go 48 hours, you've got stubble. Sure. By the next, by the morning of the show anyway. So, but you want to avoid like some of that inflammatory response and the and the, um, the the blurriness that can come with that by the irritation of the skin. So, but if you're constantly doing that with some with some tanning and some shaving, you develop some resilience at least against huh. those two things that that may have some carryover. This is what I'm guessing maybe with the with the color. I don't know, but you're also like you're also going from completely white and totally trusting in the tan, um, the color that you apply to create the color of your skin. So not that it can't be done, but like, let's say, you know, like, let's say you're, you know, you're, uh, you're going to paint your car or something like that. And you're going to go from one shade of green to another shade of green. Yeah. You know, it's you're and, and, and you're not going to be, you're not, you don't have a perfect, you know, spraying, um, device for it and like it's going to be you know the diy type of job if you're going from one green to another green it's not going to be as noticeable if it's a little bit patchy than if you went from white to green right you have to put on multiple coats obviously just as you do with the tanning so there's more room for potential air if you've gone from a totally white untanned skin and there's maybe something that goes on that interacts with having stressed the skin with shaving repeatedly and regularly and tanning regularly as far as what happens when you put the color on. So I think it's helpful to have that that color there, um, generally speaking. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. So you were, you were, you were initially, we're going to start, we were going to talk about uh, your carb up, too, related mm-hmm. to the show. So what, what happened? Because I know one of the last times we talked, you were like, I think I'm going to make light heavyweight. I haven't eaten carbs in two weeks, man. <laughs> And and you were yeah. you were getting pretty damn lean, you know. Um, so what? It, it, where where were we going to go with this? Well, we're going to go with what I'm about to tell you, the story of the carbo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so I did, I tried this last year. I thought there's no way I'm going to make light heavy. Yeah. I got to like 207. I'm like I just mm. can't. I'm going to look too too shoddy. But I was pretty close. I was getting, I always get outsized because I'm, you know, I'm not at the top of the weight class. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, fuck it. I'll see if I can get there, see if I can do it. So basically, I, I dropped my carbs. I had some, a couple of nice meals after the Masters Nationals, and there's five weeks until the Team EU, I think it was. Okay. And basically, I had, uh, went keto for that entire time with the exception of like one pseudo carbohydrate, carb up test run. Okay. And I, and I made weight. Okay. I got down there and it was, it was pretty fucking rough. It was just no carbs, you know, a lot of thousand calorie days. 
Um, not a lot of fats on some days. I added fats back in to, to some degree once I knew I was going to get there. And that, there's various nuances there. It wasn't, I don't, I don't like the look from a, just a, a bodybuilding ethos perspective. It was just, I haven't been that small and that light yeah. for like, like 20 years. I got wow. pretty damn lean. You know, yeah. I hadn't been a light heavy since early 2000s. Yeah. And some of that was dieting down because I was on that on the brink. You know, I was probably losing some muscle just to be at the top of the weight class. Right. But this time um, I so what I what I what happened basically is in the course of that period, I went I broke sort of one of my cardinal rules knowing I was going to have to do this in order to get down to, to 198. And I didn't have carbs over the course of repeated workouts. And I had trained. I think I estimated I trained everything nine or ten times with any incoming carbs before I did about a week out about a, a carb up test run. Okay. And I put in about 500, 600 grams of carbs. So physiologically what that means is, one, I'm just I'm lean as shit, so, and I'm dry as shit because there's really the, – all the adipose tissues have shrunken down. Mm. That that interstitial space under the skin where the where the water goes first, if that's where you lost the fat first, has come down. So my skin shrunk down somewhat because I've been lean for for long enough. It finally was happening. <clears throat> so there's not a lot of extra body water floating around, and the muscle cells are, I want to say, like completely. When you talk about depleted, they were depleted. Like there probably was no glycogen there because I hadn't t- taken any carbs for, you know, 10, 11 workouts, whatever it was. Sure. So when you bring in carbohydrate, there's a what ha- couple things happen. The, the glycogen, the glucose is brought in. <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, it's converted into a glycogen macromolecule, which includes a protein called glycogenin. Hmm. And there's also an osmotic effect that brings in water with that. So that idea, hmm. I cover this in my book. We've talked about it before. I've talked about it on podcasts that you get three grams of water per gram of glycogen stored. That number actually is like a roundup of, I think, 2.6, which comes from a rat study looking at glycogen storage in rat liver. If you look at the data, they've tried to, well, they've tried to assess this in humans all over the place. It's highly variable hmm. I bet. Um, in different circumstances. But, but, if you, um, it's not a bad estimate, generally speaking. Okay. So if you consider the amount of glycogen that I could, I could store from none to a super compensated state and the amount of water that could come with that, it was, it was a lot, maybe 2000 grams because my liver was empty and my muscle was empty. Wow. So yeah. that's two kilos. If you take that three to one ratio, um, let, let's let's just say it's a thousand. Um, you take the three to one ratio, and there's there's three other kilos. So there's four um, kilos, or about nine pounds yeah. of potential weight. Well, I wanted to see what happened when I added car. There's one other thing that has to happen when this happens. When, so cells, in order to maintain um, balance in terms of pressure inside versus outside mm-hmm. and maintain fluid homeostasis in terms of the intracellular fluid pressures and concentrations of electrolytes inside the cells and outside the cells, you got sodium potassium. Potassium inside, sodium's outside. When you store glycogen, you pull water in, the cell gets bigger, it needs to maintain the potassium levels. Hmm. It needs to pull potassium in. Oh yeah, okay. 
if you don't have any potassium or you you're not a whole, don't have a whole lot of fluid outside uh-huh. from which that potassium will be drawn and you're pulling in massive amounts of potassium because you're storing massive amounts of glycogen yeah. because you're so glycogen depleted and it's all being just soaked up like a mofo, your insulin sensitivity sky high. It's a very easy thing, at least conceptually and theoretically, that you could end up pulling so much potassium out of that extracellular space, which includes the bloodstream, yep. which is providing potassium to the heart. Mm-hmm. Gotta watch out with potassium levels in the heart. People who don't use like potassium sparing diuretics, mm-hmm. for instance, run into issues, cramping, all those sorts of things, cramping and all those sorts of things, cramping and all those sorts of things. Um, you can end up hypokalemic, meaning yes. low potassium. Yeah. Well, that's what happened, baby. Oh, you went hypokalemic. No kidding. Well, I didn't measure it, but that's I presume what happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, And I and I planned on this possibility. Okay. But here's the interesting thing that's just sort of fast. This is sort of like fascinating from a physiological perspective. It's something I tell people just for the sake of safety and warning them and just being careful that that this effect could be so substantial. Yeah. That you have to watch out for it. So when I did a practice run, I didn't want to carve up too much. I just want to get an idea of what was going to actually happen. Uh-huh. I put in like I think 600 grams of carbs. I could go back and look at the numbers. Okay. Um, I didn't dig them back up. And I put on like um, I think it was about eight pounds, something like that. Okay. So and I didn't I didn't spill whatsoever. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And I started and I started cramping about four or five hours into that. And I, I I I drank that water with it to kind of match what I guessed maybe you might get that three to one ratio something like that. And actually, what I was drinking was diatonic water for the quinine. Okay, yeah. And I had a multi mineral, and I was salting as well to make sure I had plenty of minerals so the body could handle whatever it it, it needed. And I was adding a potassium supplement. Yeah. And what else was I doing? taking massive amounts of taurine and I probably took in 15 grams of taurine. Wow. It didn't matter. Yeah. The cramping was ridiculous. Huh. It, most people would have freaked out and probably gone to the hospital, I think. It, it was that I, bad, huh? It was that and I so I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to obviously I don't have to worry about this. So I just kept on adding water and more taurine and I ended up drinking I think probably you know 10 or 12 liters of water over the course of, you know, I don't 8 or 10 hours. Now did you say this was during was this during the mar- the mock carb up? It's just the mock carb okay, up. Yeah. yeah. Just double check. I didn't take in that many grams of carbs. I didn't go for it all. I just I had I had some sushi, very, very soup, like tuna rolls and tuna pieces. Yeah. And some homemade fat free pancakes. I think a, a sorbet. Of course you had sorbet. Yeah, some sorbet, of course. You know, when that's that's actually something I I might that's it, great because there's no electrolytes in there. There's no sodium oh. in there. So it's yeah. but and I probably need you're going to need those electrolytes uh, in order to maintain some balance, especially. And this is what you know Ken has talked about so many times. If you really depleted yes. and you really dried out, and you do a shitload the day of a show and you shitload like crazy, you're not going to spill over for probably 24 hours. Yeah, you really got down and dirty, depleted. Yeah. Um, and also, the shitload is a nice thing, and this is why it is not a bad approach whatsoever in this regard because you're getting plenty of sodium potassium electrolytes you're not eating trying to eat clean things like like sorbet mm-hmm. sorbet is sort of a tool for me because my body likes those carbs but it's also basically free of 
sodium, potassium, those sorts of things that could cause issues. So you know what you're getting. It's just pure carbohydrates. Essentially. And, and you know what, too, I would like about that? It's free of volume. Because if yeah. I'm loading for a show, one of the things I realized I need now is to keep my stomach small, flat. You know, I want it to be, I want it to, I want to almost be hungry now, I think, is my new thought uh, when I'm ready, you know? A lot of people don't eat anything the day of the show. Yeah. It's just reason. That's kind of what I end up doing, too. Didn't eat much, but I didn't need to after I'd filled up. Yeah, right, but, right. Yeah. And also, if you look at the weight relative to the number of grams, it's about a three to one ratio mm-hmm. in, in sorbet. So it matches that number, too. But the main the main take home is that I expected some cramping mm. because of this impact on pulling potassium out of the blood into the cells mm-hmm. as I was loading. And I did everything I possibly could. Um once this sort of came on, I, you know, I, I took some, I, I did some prophylactic taurine and some minerals and, but I wanted to like make sure it was, these were dry, it was dry, um, increases in muscle volume fullness, not spilling over. And literally Scott, I would be like, I, I'd finished my carbs. I'm like, okay, I think this is, I think I'm good. I, you know, literally just pouring the sea salt out and doing this. And like, and there's a taurine, like, you know, five, 1000 milligram things of taurine and drank another liter of water. And I'm like, Good. I think I'm good to go. I kind of flex my foot. My calf doesn't cramp. It's like, okay, good. My back's not cramping. Yeah. Probably pr- problem that day too is I trained legs that day because I just oh. wanted. I was. I didn't put the whole week together. I just wanted to like throw some carbs in the seat just to figure out what I actually ended up figuring out. It was a very smart idea. Yeah. When I look back on it, but and I just lie down, and try to start to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, oh. Oh, my hamstring would go and my hamstring would go and I'd try to straighten my leg out. Then my quad would go. Yeah. And then I'd try to push myself out of bed with the other leg and my glute would go on that side. Huh. Okay. So, and we're talking like really, really strong all out contractions. Like, Oh yeah. In the middle of the night type of contractions. Oh, Luckily God. I got all my stuff there. So I'd go through the same rigmarole, kind of stretch it all out, give it some time, five minutes of agony lay back down, start to fall asleep, think I'm past it. This happened all night long, the whole night. So it was pretty bad. When I came around for the actual show, um, the weigh-ins were Thursday. I weighed in, I made weight, but I didn't compete until Saturday. Yeah. So it actually worked out in my favor. I I did all the things. I doubled up on all, like every, the taurine, everything. I still had the cramping because wow. I didn't take many carbs. And I, after that, I went back to no carbs. Okay. I still had all that cramping. I got closer. Wasn't as that bad, but I basically didn't sleep that Thursday night, mm. which was okay because the night before the show, I slept the best I ever have. Nice. Nice. It was amazing, dude. I've never slept before show. I had, I had like one of my best nights of sleep in the whole prep. Wow. Cause I was so tired. Wow. I, I think it helped my look the next day cause I actually slept huh. like a regular person. Okay. So the bottom line is that you need to be careful with that. And, um, this is, it can be remedied to some degree because I was able to pull myself out of it, but I was just, I was so, de- I've never, I literally, I was telling my, my buddy, Mike, actually, you know, when I did my first, first couple shows, you may remember this, like it, it was very, very different phenomenon to have gone through the dieting process and really pushed that hard. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a no man's land. And it's, it's, you lose perspective, I think on that after having done it for some, cause I've done so many contest preps and I know how to do that. I just can sort of walk through it in a certain way. Yeah. They've been there, done that. This was a diabolically difficult diet. Oh yeah. In order to 
to push my weight down that far. Yeah. Um, I knowingly was like pushing really hard. So I don't know, I don't know many people who would ever truly get into that scenario that I was in, mm-hmm. um, where the body was just sort of like, um, not knowing what the hell to do to process those carbs. Mm-hmm. But that is a phenomenon that can happen. This was a question that, that Ken got asked, I think on the, mm-hmm. on the book and year. Yeah. Ago. He, he had said it, it actually had come up with one of his clients and that's how he learned about it initially and so it's something he has to watch out for now let me ask you so if this is uh this so this is that you you the potassium is getting pulled from your bloodstream it's going to the muscle mm-hmm. um and you're supplementing with taurine and sodium why not supplement with potassium i did oh okay because you i didn't oh, yeah. hear you mention that oh, so i, I wasn't yeah okay. potassium gluconate i had some i actually have a it's like k factors it's in one of the boxes around here okay it's, Various forms of potassium. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. Usually, like, potassium gluconate comes in, like, 99 milligram pills, and that's, like, 1% of your yeah. RDA. They don't want you to mess with your potassium too much. Right, right. But I took in a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, you can – sometimes people will go they, – they use, like, sweet potatoes and things with high potassium levels. You can go the wrong direction. Yeah. But potassium can be a difficult thing to balance. And the way to sort of think about this is literally – and this, this, this is – a solid piece of empirical evidence that what people talk about can really happen is that when you carb up, you will get drier at the same time uh-huh. because that water is getting pulled from outside the muscle cell, which is in part under the skin where you uh-huh. don't want it inside the cells. Yeah. And what that means then is that in, when you compare those two compartments inside the cell, muscle cells and outside the muscle cells, yeah. You're relatively speaking dehydrating that extracellular, mm. extra extra myocellular compartment outside the muscle cells. Mm-hmm. You're dehydrating yourself. Yeah. In terms of what the neurons are seeing, the neurons are outside the muscle cells, and and when you get cramps, it's it's a it's a it's a function of what what the neurons are doing. Mm. The neurons are the ones that aren't are having a hard time maintaining the membrane. Um, okay polarity and they're just spontaneously depolarized and then you get that's when the cramps come on huh, okay so you're literally dehydrating yourself mm-hmm. in a certain way um so the key is going to be water probably taking in more water and potassium and sodium i always say like throw a little bit of everything in there but a practice run is super duper important yeah especially if you've gone like i did and did what i did to try to make it was it was a really you can tell I'm 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 still excited about like having had the chance to do that experiment. I don't, you know, I may have looked like you know I just stepped out of a concentration camp or something <laughs> like that, and I kind of did. I don't like the look at all. Pictures never do justice. I have I have a picture I think pre and post color okay. that I can put up that shows I was in pretty good shape, but um, I don't like that look. It was too withered away. But what I learned from that and like this piece of information. And this experience is just invaluable. Yeah. Know, like, I, I think I got third place out of like five or six. Okay. You know, in, in my class and my, in the over fifties. Okay. So, you know, it, none of that really matters. You know, I could have gotten last, I you know, could have gotten first, but what I got to learn was really pretty wild. That is cool. I will throw this out too, just cause it's, it was funny. Like I had a laugh with another of the competitors. So I went in and they're like, they've got so many people that are trying to shuffle through for the weigh-ins. Sure. I got there early. I literally got there like an hour beforehand so I could get in line and get in and out and then start to eat. Yeah. You know, because I wanted to make sure 
I want to make sure I had time to get the carbs in. If I had the cramps, then take the carbs out to stop the cramps before I got on stage. Mm, yeah. So I wanted to maximize that time. So I go in. I'm like the first guy through. And these are mainly women are checking in the early. The, you were competing that the next day or maybe even yeah, just the next day. Okay. So I go through. I'm bodybuilding. I need to weigh in. They wanted to hype me. Like, you got, you don't have to hype me. I'm bodybuilding. There's no hype. Yeah, yeah. It's like, we got to hype him, don't we? I'm like, no, you don't have to hype me. You can, but yeah. it's not part of what I'm doing. I'm not in classic. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they didn't know. I was, like, literally the first guy through, I think, on that day. Yeah, yeah. And I w- went over and I said, so I put in my application as a heavy. Uh-huh. But, I'm, but I've dieted my ass off and I should make light heavies. Yeah. I even got down. I was 196 when I left just to make sure. Holy you never shit. Know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's very yeah, I mean, light. I just I intentionally did that. And I think they weighed me in even less than that because some the scales are always a little light, but uh-huh. sometimes they go the other way. I just wanted to be sure. Yeah. Didn't have to want to fuck around with that and get back in line. The line was like 400 people long or something like that. So yeah. the guy's like, he's like, he does like, he's like, I'm just weighing you in. Whatever you weigh, you weigh. That's your weight class. I'm like, okay, just. Want to let you know administratively that you know I'm going to be in a different class than what I what I registered for on my paperwork. Yeah. So I don't. It doesn't matter. He's like, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fine. Okay. So all good. So I went through and did that. Gave my music the uh, the the whole DJ thing was funny at that show. There were some people listening here who probably went to that show. The DJ did. He dropped the ball on so many routines. Oh man. It was, bad. Yeah. It was like I was like I was I was actually looking forward to seeing what I was going to get. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. What am I going to get the post to? Some Miley Cyrus maybe or something. Yeah. yeah. Who knows, right? So um, the morning comes. They do the over seventies, over sixties, over fifties. Long day, long day. Even if you're yeah. just doing the over fifty and over, you know. Yeah. Well, we're right off the bat. So the, the older guys are first. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's not they they you know they, you they do give age preference. Yeah. Okay. The, which is nice. I like that actually. Done earlier. So they call the light heavies and they don't call my number. Oh gosh. So so I walk over to the guy. He's a young guy and he was perfect for that job because he likes he's just like a take no shit New Englander like get in line do what I say pipe down here we go come on if you're not here then then screw you that's it. So I, I went up and I said, hey, I'm at, I've actually made weight for the light heavies, but I'm probably not on your list because I didn't register as a heavy. Didn't know I was going to make light heavies when I put in my, my application. He's like, I don't have you here. I'm like, I know, I know that. That's why I'm telling you this. He's like, could you check on that? Because I'm, I'm in the light heavies. Mm-hmm. I made weight, and I, that's the class I want to, I'd like to compete in. He's like, you're going to get on stage one way or another. What's it matter? And <laughs> he literally said it was very close to that. I'm like, well, it mattered all those days when I was, I was I felt like I was in a concentration camp, you know, trying to get down to this weight class. So it was yeah. very intentional that I, he, I, he, I don't think he competes. And yeah, he's obviously not. with me in the least. I'd love to give this guy a shout out right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I, no, no, I'm not him. If, no, if I no, would... there's no, no, fuck him. <laughs> Sorry, fuck him. I'll he say just, it. It was kind of interesting. Like he, like he, I'm like, I didn't like know even what to say to him because he just he, like he literally kind of so he he gets on his phone he call or his cell phone puts his headset in call somebody well, tries to figure time. it out i'm waiting there and he's like he was like i'm waiting here waiting here waiting here and um so it's like okay so they start they bring us back so we have to go through the catacombs and the underbelly of the hotel in order to get back to the backstage area mm-hmm. and so he lines he runs us through just put me at the end of the line and then he says okay and he turns around and he walks back down to where we came from and he doesn't say anything to me. I, like, I got no confirmation if I'm in the weight class. 
So I walk up to the young the young ladies who are expediting, and I said, so here's the deal. The guy who just brought us up, he was going to check on this, but I haven't heard. I don't know that I'm on the list for this weight class. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? I said, well, I made weight. I registered. I told him the whole thing again. You right, know? Right. Luckily, the guy who weighed me in. Yes. Who was the guy. Yeah. Who... Who like we kind of, he's like I don't give a shit like he remembered that yeah. I'm, I'm actually glad you know yeah, yeah. actually I can't forget the hair is what he said he, oh. he was like like you know pushing us through pretty hard then yeah. but he was totally cool backstage yeah. very relaxed and cool about it he's like oh I remember you I was like yeah you weigh like 196 I'm like yeah there we go he's like hold on let's confirm all this like just to make sure but he remembered it off the top of his head it's like I don't know why I remember that shit but I do so literally. They're they're confirming that I'm in the weight class as the first guy is going out and doing his mandatories. Some people would freak out. Last, some people the be, last minute, yeah, yeah. Some people would be losing their mind backstage about that. Oh, I mean, you know, it wasn't like I'm going to, you know, winter. Like I, I knew it was. You, and so you were going to get on stage either way. It doesn't I, I matter. Know, I mean, it's shit. Like <laughs> they have bikini competitors. You know, I'm on. That's all that matters is that I'm on stage. It doesn't matter yeah. weight class or any of that kind of thing. So, so again. Here's the here's even this you're gonna love this. So I did the over forties as well. You might as well, you know, it's extra two fifty. Sure, sure. So they call the light heavies. And they don't call my name. So I went up to the guy and I, I said, Hey, I think the same thing probably happened. He looks at me, he's like, What? And I said, I was in the over fifties, I made the light heavies, we couldn't have me he's like what? I was like, Oh yeah, you, okay. Well what'd they ever figure out? I'm like, Well, I made the light heavies. He's like, Okay, hold on. And he did it like I had to do a, a miniature version of that. Yeah. And when I went back up, it was very easy that time. But it was okay. like, I, I figured that would probably happen because, you know, yeah. they're not going to switch me over. But it was really, it was really, really funny. He was just like, ah, you're going to get on stage one way or the other. And yeah. I'm like, I knew I made weight. Like, there was no doubt in my mind. It wasn't like, you know, like you guys. In, in fact, I didn't get upset, like lose my mind because, like, I had, it's, it's kind of like there was, it's like there's if I, I went in and like you know there's a I'm the plaintiff of and I having being shot by someone and there's video footage you know because it was in the stadium full of people like the evidence is clearly in my favor yeah. that I'm supposed to be light heavy if you guys don't get me to that class it's it's not going to look good like you guys I know this is going to have to happen there's just no way it's not going to go down this way yeah you know like if it does then and obviously it was fine but yeah. it was I wasn't concerned that. You know they're going to drop that ball, and they do. I've seen that before in shows where they bring someone out and they have, you know, someone come out with another weight class. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes because they were late or I think because they'd made an administrative error. But yeah. anyway, so yeah, I did. I did, and I was probably like I think I was two oh six on stage. Okay. Yeah, after the carb up because I held that weight. Wow. It just stayed. Yeah, it just stayed. Well, I guess so. So yeah. Anyway, so. That was the main thing is just to share the cramping thing. And I literally had to do uh, the carb up a whole day early, which I normally would anyway. But there was no water to drop. Yeah, yeah. I literally, like, I was just dry as shit. So <clears throat> that's the thing. If you have dieted down that hard and you're really that depleted, um, you can kind of carb up and fill out. And water is... Like I have a peak week protocol that does seem to help many people. And part of that is literally just giving them something to do. Yeah. Boxes to check, you know, here's some sort of structure mm-hmm. rather than relying upon it all kind of coming together magically. Mm-hmm. It gives them, you know, 
basically just a plan to follow. Yeah. As opposed to just trust that your car is going to get you there because the autopilot is going. Like now you have directions. You can actually feel like you're in control. But if you dieted down and pushed that hard and really are that depleted, you're you don't have to, you're not going to have to worry about water. There's there was no water. I don't I don't know what I I don't know. I could have drank like gone into the, the convenience store and grabbed the pickle jar mm-hmm. they have you know and, and just drank a whole you know whatever five gallon thing of pickle juice and I wouldn't have held water. Yeah, because I was so depleted and so dry. So there's a lot of truth to that. And I got to I got to do what I like to do so much is like so I knew that was the case because I'd seen it previously in various forms. But now I got to like really push mm-hmm. kind of beyond that line. And each time I put those carbs in, it went in at about that three to one ratio. Yeah. 500 grams gave me about 2,000 grams of weight, which is about six or seven pounds. Mm. When I did the other, the carb up was like 12 or 1,500. It did the same thing. I went from 196 to like 208, yeah. and I was 206 the next morning, something like that. It all like it mathematically worked out actually really well, and there was no water retention at all. Like I, I didn't, I didn't push it to spill, which I normally would have. Uh-huh. I didn't want that cramping to carry over. So my next time, if I, I probably won't go down to that weight again. But it, but ideally, I would have spilled and then dropped the water. That's the point of filling and spilling, which is Ken's term mm-hmm. that I borrowed from him. Because when you spill, you know you've you've glycogen supercompensated and then some, and you're getting a. I, this is what I think happens. There's a backup effect where that glucose doesn't get brought in. Mm-hmm. There's no more room to store it, so it gets sort of like sort of like the line leading to the bar. You know, backs up till it's outside. Yeah. So the glucose is not in the in the bar, where it would be pulling water in. Instead, the those patrons, the glucose molecules are stuck there, and they're pulling water to that intracellular or extracellular interstitial space and hold water. Hmm. So I would have liked to have done that, but I was scared if I did that, then the cramping would have been a, an issue on stage. I didn't know how long that was going to take, so sure. I cut it off. But and I also those carbs when they went in, even though I hadn't been eating carbs like. My body just sponged them up. It was oh, amazing. I bet. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So, it was a really ex- like the ex- the extreme of the extremes that at least that I've experienced when pushing the weight down and you know with the food and everything else. And I got to really kind of test in a full blown experiment those notions of if you're in shape that you're going to fill up really well. You don't have to worry about water. Yeah. Um, how much weight were you put on? You know, theoretically versus what actually happens and. It all like, it was always pretty cool. Like it's like it's like you're you're run, It's like NASA. Like we've got all these calculations that gone into launching the rocket, with the fuel and the propulsion and the angle, and it actually went off the way it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. And so that was pretty cool. So I just wanted to share some of that as as well as make people aware that the cramping thing is can happen. So be ready. Yeah. With anti cramping. That's cautions. cool. That's cool, yeah. man. Yeah. So much to learn doing it yourself. I feel like it, it, and even like we look at your last prep previous well, the, the previous season when you competed, like there's still people, we still get questions about like you eating high protein in that prep today. Like, you know, yeah, they're, they're, we're, we're still good. learning. Yeah. 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 You know, we're still learning from it. That's cool. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing, the thing too is that I, I did when I was doing all that training without any carbs, mm-hmm. you know, the pump was, I, I got some kind of a pump, but it wasn't like anything. And what I've noticed too, and I've told people, and I've known this for a long time, when people do the fortitude training stretches, yeah, you don't have much metabolic stress because you don't have the glycogen 
to foster the production of those metabolites. Yeah. You know, the lactic acid isn't there because the glycogenolysis sucks because there's no glycogen to do glycogenolysis with. It's all gone. Mm. So you don't get a pump and the stretches don't hurt. So okay. They do. Okay. Then you come in after a show and you're nice and full. You've done a carb up and those stretches hurt like shit because uh, one, the muscles bigger and fuller. There's more metabolites there. And yeah. There's low pH and all the other things that give you that pump feel. Um, but I was getting like no pump, but I, I ended up hanging in there pretty well in terms of strength. Just, you know, the sets would, this is just, people ask me these questions. I mentioned this before, but the thing I would, my sets were bonking. I could tell the bonking would happen. In fact, it kind of happened early on, but you notice like when glycogen gets lower, there's sort of a bonking effect. You know what the bonking term is from marathon? From the endurance world, what bonking means? Yeah, we kind of talked about it before. Yeah, but you know, but go when ahead. marathon runners like the amount of glycogen they have and how fast they use it, if they haven't glycogen supercompensated at a, like around mile twenty, they'll run out of glycogen. Mm-hmm. Glycogen is superior in terms of providing ATP for energy during the running. So when you run out of glycogen, that just the speed of running will kind of go down, and they just hit the wall. That's the bonk. Mm-hmm. That was happening during the sets, and I would just kind of keep on going, but I could feel feel that happening like all there's like there's almost it got to be like there was no bonk there was just the muscle was like kind of a little bit non-responsive in a way which you just battled through but first i went from feeling those bonks because the glycogen level was getting low and then i went to where like there was no pump but i just kept on training hard and i didn't lose much i just you know metered it out and just dug in but it was interesting as well just so that that was another aspect of what happens with glycogen use and the pump and those sorts of things so the stretches were I was like, kind of like, I'm like, I'm stretching as hard as I can. It just doesn't hurt because there's no metabolites. There's nothing there. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's, I think that's all of my, those are the main insights. For today. Well, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be more. We have uh, a bunch of questions. You had some uh, from Instagram. We got about a dozen more uh, while you've been talking. I did want to tell you a little bit uh, about my training because I managed to, uh, I managed to hit a personal best yesterday on uh, the dumbbell incline press, which has been one of the lifts I've really been working on. It's got, I just realized it's been a year since I've been working on that. And I'm just now, what's that? That's how it happens, man. Just keep plugging away. Yeah. It's been a year. um, And it was about a year ago that uh, I, I did a set with the one tens and David Smith told me that my form wasn't really good on him, that I wasn't really using a full range. And I started talking to him. And uh, uh, initially, I was like, because it was the best I could possibly do. And my thought, and I told you on the show, even at the time, I was like, I'm really excited because now my goal is to not go any heavier than this, but try to get better with it. But I didn't quite know how much better I could get with it. And then after talking with him more, he took a bunch of time and explained to me cues on how to get better with that lift and now i can bring the dumbbells all the way down really good form and i feel like i'm a lot safer too um Mm -hmm. just overall i feel like i'm in really good control i feel like i've used progressive overload but i'm just now using the 115s it's been a year and i went Mm -hmm. from using the 110s to the 115s yet i feel like it's been progressive overload there's nothing wrong with that Um, um, think of it think of it this way like here's a way to sort of um, reframe that that might make you feel better about that. So it's been a year. Mm-hmm. Let's say that um, 
let's say there's you're someone who weighs 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. So obviously, let's say you weigh whatever. Let's say you weigh 130. So that means your fat-free mass is about 110 or 115. Okay. And over the course of one year, you go from a fat-free mass or a muscle mass, fat-free mass including muscle, of 110 to 115. Yeah. And the five-pound difference is muscle mass. Yeah. So I'm, I'm using that analogy with the idea behind it being that that progressive overload and increase in performance, all the things being identical and absolutely equal, which you can never really say, right, is representative of increased muscle mass. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you truly if your form's the same everything else is identical and huh. you go from a 225 pound bench to a 315 pound bench that should be representative to some degree of muscle mass. Yeah. So if you're going from 110s to the 115s and all other things being equal that's a 5 pound jump. We can't necessarily do this this is just sort of hypothetical sort of sure. lens, way of our brains to sort of view this through this this lens. But that would be kind of the same as someone who's like about 130, who has 100, who's, you know, maybe 15%, 20% body fat, who goes from 110 pounds of fat-free mass to 115 pounds of fat-free mass. Yeah. That's five pounds of fat-free mass in one year for a very light person. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. That's who's advanced, like you. Yeah. That would be like 10. That's like that five pounds is nearly, it's maybe a 9% increase over the course of a year. Hmm. A nine percent increase in fat-free mass in your whole body—that's a lot. Yeah, it's gigantic. And I feel good about it. I feel really good about I'm sorry, it. Sorry, more like sorry, five percent, not not nine percent. Okay. I was flip-flopping the math in my head. I just but took yeah, your so, word for it, but I I, I yeah. do. I feel good about it. And I guess the reason I wanted to bring it up is because, you know, when we we do we have talked a lot about progressive overload, and I I think that a lot of times. It, for the viewers, for the listeners, it can be a thought of that you have to be lifting more. You have to be lifting more and more constantly that, you know, each week you're lifting five more pounds and five more mm-hmm. pounds and five more pounds. And then the argument comes in, well, you could only do that for so long. You know, otherwise everybody's going to be benching a thousand pounds that does progressive overload. And, you know, right. it's like, but no, this to me, I want people to understand that. And it's an experience I've had to go through myself to get it. But yeah, I've progressed. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm a lot stronger because so my next step, I don't have 120s at home, but I do have 125s. Mind you, by the way, all these dumbbells are five pounds heavier than what they say. So my 115s are actually 120s right, and my okay. 125s are actually 130s. So if I want to say they have like the little Ivanko labels on them or they have a marker, like a white marker written. Someone wrote it on there. Yeah. One, one, five. And oh, if that's because the handle weighs five pounds and they didn't exactly, have the handle weight. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Oh, well, that, that's just like someone who doesn't know how to like. Yeah. It's I've like, noticed, though, at the gyms, though, I've counted them. And a lot of gyms have the same thing. It'll say, you know, 100 pounds. But when I do the math, there's 100 pounds of weight on the bar, on the handle. Uh, but the the handle itself isn't being counted. So in the handle is about like four and a half pounds. Right, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so, yeah, but I'm, I, I'm confident, though. I got the 115s for my top set for 10 reps, and they felt strong. So I, I you know, there's days... And it was one of those days where I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a great workout. I had one of my clients over. Uh, shout out to Julian. Uh, he asked a lot of questions, though. So 
while we're warming up, he's asking me questions and I'm picking up like the 85s and I'm listening to him talk and I'm doing a few reps. And then finally it got to the point where like, I'm getting ready to do my top set. And I was like, I can't, I got to stop. I got to focus. So ask me after this, cause I'm about to do the heaviest thing I've ever done in my entire life, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he got it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, he's a good guy. He just, he, he, right. he wants to learn, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I just had to tell him that. So he understood, but I, I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know if I'm in the right place. But by the time I was warmed, it's dangerous. Warmed up, yeah. Uh, by the time I got yeah. to the like the 105s, which I did, I did a set for two reps with the 105s, just a feeder set. Um, mm-hmm. And when I picked them up, I could tell they felt light. There's you days post that you should the video, like maybe what comes out on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. When I picked the 105s up, I could tell they felt light in my hand. Like I could whip them up, you know, off the rack. And I knew at that good point, sign. yeah, I knew that this is going to be a good one. And I lifted the most I've ever lifted in my life on dumbbell press yesterday. And it was an amazing feeling like flat Mm -hmm. out. It was badass. And I know that those, the way that felt, if I could get 10 with the one fifteens, then I know that I could, I could do the one twenty fives within a few weeks. I'll be there. So I'm going to, I think taper back for a minute. In, in deload for a minute. Oh yeah, undulate a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. And then I'm going to push back up. And when I do, I think I'll, if not this round, uh, the the next round, I think I'll get to the 125s. You know, I mean, you can, you can actually just go and order um, the pro style plates to get some 120s if you want. You got a hex, a hex screw at the end of the dumbbells there, right? You know what? Now that you mention it, I actually have the the plates. I figured you did, like you, yeah. So you can you can just fashion those. I guess I could, couldn't I? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I guess I no, could. I... <laughs> <laughs> this is why they gave me PhD. Figure these things out. <laughs> you smart one. We give you PhD. You I, go tell people smart things. I thought about getting the uh, what do you call them? The plate mates, but those things yeah, are those like are sixty cool. bucks for yeah. You know, little little tiny additional. Yeah. Go to the, you can go to the hardware store and, and get like really big. Um, there's all sorts of bits and pieces. You get some nice. Actually, I'll send you a link. There's some huh. there's some magnets. You can get some magnets that are just ridiculously strong, like the kind oh, yeah. like you know if you put them together, like you're not getting them apart. You oh know? no shit. Yeah, like I've got some I picked up like that, like for putting like mounting things on my RVs and various things that I don't want to come off. Like yeah. I've got one magnet that I screwed in on a on a rear view camera. Yeah. And the magnet's only like it's like that big, you know, it's maybe a centimeter by three or four centimeters and I don't know how it's not even a half a centimeter thick. It's so strong. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can get some really powerful magnets. You can order them and then just get some iron, like get some large washers, all sorts of things you can do to huh. make your own plate mates. That's cool. Lots that's, of people have done that, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, I bet you yeah. if I looked online I could probably find some insight on that. Oh yeah, we did that back in the, like with DC training. That was the oh. thing back in the day. Like yeah, when everyone oh yeah, making your own plate mates so you can microload. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so people, you know, like Jordan. I think it's, it was actually on Foo Ed's um, podcast where Jordan was talking about he brings you know the smaller plates with him. Oh yeah, so that yeah. he can microload when he goes. And you know, I've got I've got those in my bag too. You know, I've got a whole bunch of them about from that I had at my gym. Okay. And so you can buy those, you can make them, and like the pins that you you know with the post on, you stick into the selectorized machine, so you can throw forty fives. Oh yeah, yeah. People started making those, and Dante still he has somebody out who who he found make. You can anyone who could weld can make one of those, but yeah, yeah there are all these little hacks, you know, from 
15 years ago at DC train as the, how to microload, just doing exactly what you're talking about doing. Yeah. You get a little bit more. So like now you can go to the, the thing with the dumbbells can be the issues that like, if you got to rest them on your thighs, mm-hmm. you got plate mates on there, mm-hmm. you end up digging in and like the, and as the plate mates, you don't want to have, have to worry about keeping a plate mate centered. Yeah. You yeah. know, so there, that's not the best idea. At, it's just, uh, Highland Park Powerhouse, they have the 200 pound dumbbells and uh, they're they're like handmade. They're like big pieces of steel with a rod in between, basically. And nice. I think one of them's even broken at this point. But yeah. they, there's duct tape all over them because people mm-hmm. had taped ten pound plates. Oh yeah, to the outsides yeah. of them before. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I've seen that quite a few times. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. I've heard stories of that in jail that people would, you know, because oh, yeah. when the dumbbells break, they're done. But they would tape plates to make them heavier and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So yeah, there was a guy on Professional Muscle, Justin Rice. He's now passed on. He's a really nice guy. He came down with some sort of neurological disorder. He huh. was just like he pushed the limits at everything he did. Yeah. But he's a super nice guy, and he was in jail for a while. I think recreational drug dealing or use or both. Yeah. And he, but he was giant. Like he, uh, there was a picture of him standing next to Ronnie in Ronnie's heyday, and they're about the same size. Yeah. He'd have Ronnie's shape. But uh, yeah. it was just crazy. He was a guy. He was a guy I mentioned before. He he started training with weights. He was a sprinter for New Zealand, and he put on fifty pounds of muscle in the first six months, natural. Holy crap! And then you heard that these steroids help you get stronger and bigger too. So he threw in some who knows what, and he gained another fifty pounds. Yeah. The next six months, he gained hundred pounds in the first year of training. Oh my god! He's pretty good genetics. I guess yeah, so. Yeah. Four hundred five pound behind the neck presses. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But he, but he talked about in in jail. Like I think he called them like totem pole squats. These guys would do. So they would. One guy would get on one another guy's shoulders. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like another guy would get underneath that guy. So he would do squats like with two people uh, sitting on top of one another. And they just they go into like a corner. They find like a pillar somewhere so, for the sake of balance. Oh yeah, that and makes sense. Do, you know, he'd have two two hundred. He'd have four hundred pounds on his back. Yeah, two two hundred pound dudes or whatever or bigger. That's and crazy. Squat that way. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. So, yeah, you make that shit work, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. I did a whole podcast back at the beginning of, of Advices, and I had four different people on who had been in prison. And uh, John Romano was one of them, actually. And mm-hmm. they all, we talked about all the different aspects. But that's a, that's a whole other story. Uh, what do you say we get to a few of these questions? All right. All right. Yeah. Done for a while already. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are like an hour in already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still have people watching. I have the time if you have the time here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, since we're talking about training, I'm going to yeah. bring up this question because I just saw it was training related. Um, he says, question uh, for Dr. Scott, as soon as gyms reopen, I'm starting fortitude training with uh, multiple basic blast and test the different volume tiers. I'll do everything by the book, but I have only one issue. I love going to the gym. It's part of the routine, maximum or minimum five times a week. So in conclusion, when I bastardized the basic version uh, to a five times a week, splitting the muscle round days three and four, can I do, he wants to know if he can split the muscle rounds uh, into three days instead of two, Um, maybe doing legs, uh, then back, chest, delts, then arms and abs. Uh, 
did you ever have anyone training fortitude five or even six times per week? And if yes, how did they manage the split? Uh, P.S. Maybe add some uh, niche or particular uh, suggestions to a newbie to fortitude. Um, something not in your books that you wouldn't mind sharing out of experience. Okay, so I'm going to be direct and upfront. Okay, I'm going to give. The, I'm going to make this sort of maybe one of my simplest answers is my guess from what he's saying, and I this is I've, I've looked at Anthony's. Facebook profile. Okay, is that he? Short and sweet is it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't. And here's why. Here's why I say this. This is sort of like this is the super tough love answer. Is I'm looking at him and he looks as if he prefers. And there's nothing wrong with this. He prefers going to the gym as opposed to getting after it and making the most gains he possibly can. Um, Because he looks like he's a very young guy. In his profile picture, he looks, I can't tell, he, he looks like he's, if you told, if, uh, if he'd never, if you told me he never trained, I would, I wouldn't, wouldn't bet against that. Okay. So he, so he, there's not a huge, there's, my guess is just from the, from the, the look of his profile is that he's, he wants to just be able to go in and train and enjoy himself as much as possible. Okay. So. All the all the rhyme and reason as to why you know taking training as hard as you can, having days off and rest and recovery, it may not apply to him whatsoever. Just guessing. Okay. Um, and that's kind of what he says is like he can't keep away from the gym. Yeah. And if someone were making great gains that way, then then you want to accommodate that. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm saying here is I don't think from judging from what he looks like, I may be totally off here. He's not making great gains, but he prefers rather to get to the gym. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you're a be- you're ahead of like you know, ninety five percent of the population because you're training. So friggin' do it. Yeah. Easiest way to do that is you just take day one and day two the loading sets and pump sets. You split them up. Okay. So day one is loading sets, lower um, pump sets, upper. You do that on Monday, and then you do the upper body on Tuesday. Then you take Wednesday's workout, spread it over Wednesday and Thursday, and then you do. Um, uh, day three and day four on Friday and Saturday. That gives you six days in the gym. Okay. I get asked this question all the time. Um, no. So that gets you in the gym. Yeah. No. But, that's, but the whole ethos of that question and what I'm seeing from his profile, uh-huh. and I, I hate to do this, but I want to like, I'm answering this question towards the general population, and this is this is almost like this is like someone fabricated this question so I can address this topic. Okay. Is that, um, is that, there's a different, it kind of depends on where you are on that spectrum of trying to make the best progress you possibly can versus I want to go in the gym and feed that need and urge that I have to train and what that does for me psychologically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to be in the gym and I just can't help myself versus I want to make the best, best gains I possibly can. Yeah. And one more thing, I know you got something to say, so, but the other thing is no. that I, the thing that a lot of people don't recognize is that if you go in and you train as hard as you possibly can, you're going to need those off days. Most people. Yeah. Not everyone. There's lots of pros. Brandon Curry, we talked about this when he was on the podcast. There's that have Ronnie Coleman have tremendous recovery abilities and they can get away with training more regularly. But a lot of people, if they go in and give it all they possibly can, those off days have to happen. That's when you grow. Yeah. So 
he's along that spectrum where he he wants to be able to train and go in the gym and and get all the benefits that come from regular training and make some progress. But my guess is that he's there would be no point in me trying to convince him to just like stick with the four day a week, train as hard as you can, and go for the progress because that's not the path that he's more devoted to. That's I like the psychology the of this. I like the I, psychology I, of it. Yeah. I do. I do. Because, hey, yeah. it's up. It's uh, it's up to him now. Does he what does he prefer? What does he want? You know, yeah. if, if he if if and I think you're absolutely right that if it's you know, there was it. I think that you've helped me to understand this, Scott, that, you know what, we all uh, we get different things out of the gym and it's not my place to tell you what to get out of the gym. Now, if you want to train yeah. like me. Then and you want to have the same goals that I have, then you're not going to want to train as often. You can't. The workout I just talked about, that was four sets for chest. It was two sets for dumbbell incline press, and uh-huh. then two sets on uh, on my machine, my new uh, my new F light chest uh, converging chest press, which is I love nice. it by the way. But that was yeah. it. You know, it was four working sets and I won't train chest again for a little while because I and I'm not training at all today. Like I've been training every other Mm -hmm. day and that's working out pretty smoothly for me. So but my my goals are probably different than his. So there's that. Yeah. Well, the thing because I I have seen this question. You're totally right. Thanks for kind of confirming that I'm on the right track with the way I'm looking at this. I've seen this literally the same question about every six months for the last five or six years whenever it's always comes up repeatedly yeah and there's an easy way to do it we had it on the podcast here maybe two months ago someone wanted to want to split and he actually decided to not do that he had a reason because i I can't remember his name you knew who knew this poster and the name rung a bell but you would know who he is immediately if i said could remember his name but he was a in his 40s maybe older guy in the grand scheme of things i can say that because i'm an old guy and he had only X number of minutes, only X amount of time. Like the oh, gym opened yeah. at six and he had to go to work. So he looked like he could get up earlier and train longer. He had no choice, you know, given family, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I gave him this possibility. He found out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. I think he stuck with a four-day a week so he could get that recovery in. Yeah. But this was a thing with DC training. I thought it was a, there was a DC training question in there somewhere too. Yes, is that there is. People would, you know, back in the day, and they would just get jumped on by the, you know, the DC Nazis. And say, do it the way Dante said, you know, and follow that first. Yeah. They'd want to, like, go in and immediately change things. And someone has been training for a year and a half or whatever, and they, they want to just do something different. Yeah. And what what what, what happens, and this is a, this is a point I, I make a lot with fortitude training. If you're on my board, for what it's worth, people don't always know this. If, when you, you, if you buy the fortitude training book, read the purchase email. It gives you instructions to get on my discussion board i go on there every single day and answer questions if there are questions there i've answered every question related to dc or fortitude training that i can think of hmm. and what happens is if you go on there and you have questions that you can obviously find answer to those questions but you also have all the people who have had logs other people who have done fortitude training the way i have you have this collective consciousness mm-hmm. of people with that same experience using the four day a week split four day a week training uh, approach with the with basic and the turbo versions with whom you can compare notes but if you go and start changing things up and doing things different then you're uh, sort of an island yeah and it's really helpful if you're you know someone who's relatively new to this to be 
able to say, you know, I did Mad Cow's five by five, or I did Jim Wentler's five three one, or I did hypertrophy specific training, or did DC training, or this mountain dog training version, or JP's training, whatever. And I did it just the way, like someone says, oh, I find like, yeah, I can't do that hip hinge movement followed by this hip hinge movement those two days in a row. That was a big mm. no no for me. I just switched it around like this, like ah, okay, yeah, cool. You, that insight could only come if you're actually following the program the way yeah. it was written out, the way all those other thousands of people have done it. Yeah, yeah. But when you start going in, if you went in like literally, like let's say tier volume tier one was the best one for you, generally speaking, in, in fortitude training. So that's the least amount of volume. And that's just what would be best training four times a week. But you want to go in and train six times a week. Yeah. Well, that's not really shit on those days, the other days. What this strategy of taking day one, splitting out over Monday and Tuesday, and day two, splitting out over Wednesday and Thursday, having those two workouts means each of those workouts is pretty pitiful. Yeah. For some, I mean, by them, they're still hard, but they're very, very short. Yeah. Put them together and it's much more reasonable. Go to volunteer three and they can be, you know, relatively long depending on the person. Yeah. But they can still be done. Obviously, many, many, many people have done that. But if you're if volunteer one, let's take this sort of one end of the of the spectrum scenario, is split out, you're not doing a whole heck of a lot. It's like one set for chest. Yeah. Two sets for back on the loading sets, and you're done. Well, that person who like really likes to be in the gym, what are they going to do? I'm going to do a little bit more. I'm going to do. Mm. They end up doing others, and next thing you know, they're they're trying to do like volume tier three. When you know, and training more often, and they they and now they say, well, you know, Mike Israel sells it says that, vo-, and I'm not picking on Mike, but he's mm-hmm. one of the loudest. Was like, oh, you know, everyone says vol- volume is the driver of hypertrophy, so volume more volume is better. I should probably do that. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what it, that ends up meaning is over the course of a week, they're having fewer of those days off. There's something uh-huh. to say for the day off where you can just like have a complete day off, yeah. psychologically and otherwise. Because you come in rip roaring ready to go the next yes, day sir. most yes, of the time, yeah. but now you've increased. Now you may because you're feeding that desire to just be in the gym and doing things. Uh-huh. You may be doing double the volume that would be best for you because you're still training those muscle groups that many times over the course of that week. Mm-hmm. So it's still you're doing volume tier one compared with volume tier two. Like th- those volunteers are, the training is over those would be would be four sessions. You're taking it over six. Now you're doing twice the volume in the same period of time. Even though you spread it over more days and those workouts don't feel as strenuous because of that in a certain way, you're still you still don't you haven't made the weeks longer and given yourself more recovery time. Mm-hmm. You've just increased the volume, perhaps beyond what is optimal for your recovery and making progress. Mm-hmm. And the reason being because you want to be in the gym more frequently and you start doing more and you're looking at it from the standpoint of a single, I, w- I want to say the, wor- the word in German is a training dine height, like a, a training singular, a training session. Mm. I want to do a, have each session needs to be good and awesome. Mm. Well, you can go in on Monday and have a badass training session. So that you're, it was so damn good. You're like, I think I could use a break today. I'm looking forward to this. But when you come back on Wednesday, you're like, oh, I'm ready to kick some ass again. Yeah, that's what I would rather have people doing chopping at the bit, mm-hmm. maybe training a little bit less and wanting to train as hard as they possibly can. That's what DC training. That's why DC training works for so many people, because it's even, you know, you could say lesser volume. The frequency is a little bit less mm-hmm. than how fortitude would be, be done, depending on which volume tier you use, because 
you're like, you know, I'm a training chest on Monday. I'm doing the two-way split DC training, let's say, hypothetically, Monday and then Friday. I've got one rest pause set for chest to do. One. This is it. I don't, I got these next two minutes. It's like that Eminem song, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever, I can't remember the words exactly, but you got one shot, you know? Yeah. One one chance, and you got to make it happen. And if you don't, like, you don't get, it's like, oh, I'm going to do a do-over. I'm like, I'm going to just go do some more. Let's do a couple sets of peck flies or something. It's like, uh-uh. Yeah. You got to make that shit happen. If you you got to get one more rep, two more reps each time. It was like you and said that, when we were at uh, yeah. we went and trained at Metro Fitness together at a couple. I think it was a couple of years ago at the uh-huh. at the Arnold, and you said yeah. uh, down in Columbus, Mike my, uh, Mike Davies Gym, Metro yeah. Fitness West, I think it is, uh, or Worthington, Worthing, Worthington, that the. That- that's think, where John used to live. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, but Worthington. Yeah. He said, uh, you, Scott said to me, it was like, well, we could pick a couple exercises and we could really you know, go to town on those, do a couple of hard sets, or we could uh, do some bullshit all around the gym for the next couple hours. Those are basically your words. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think we did <laughs> it. We fun. ended up doing like three Tried sets. New stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we did like three sets. It was a good workout, though. I think that it's something that takes it takes time to to understand. You know, to be able to it, it's hard to tell somebody to get more out of less. You know, it's something you couldn't have told me. It's it's from the time you started telling me about it. Actually, I should say from the time I started listening. That was <laughs> 2017 at the yeah. end of my last show in November. And from there, I started uh, splitting chest up into two different days per week. And I saw how getting more out of less made sense. And it over time, I had to learn for myself. But it took it took years to get to like where I'm at today, you know. And I got to tell Anthony, I'm this is not the pot calling the kettle black. I was I am the worst. I was the worst <laughs> of anyone I know. Yeah. Because I used to, I used to, I I used to think, you know, if I can just eventually, my body will have to adapt. The yes. more I do, it will have no choice in the matter. You know, I commanded you to grow long before CT Fletcher. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. I would do twenty sets of twenty sets of squ- twenty sets of twenty rep squats. Yeah, I, I trained that way for a while. Just all this crazy asinine stuff. Like it was amazing mm-hmm. that I was just wasn't like a heaping like mass of like torn connective tissue. You know. Yeah. But. I did that. I want, and I love going to the gym. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, if I, I'm t- on the same page, Yeah. but I had to kind of, you know, figure that out. So what I'm telling you is, is, is sort of like me, you know, w- telling my, my younger self, the words of wisdom that I wish I could have passed on way back when it would have saved me like at least uh, way over a decade of training. Cause I trained like an idiot for a long time, hmm. you know, train, re- I learned how to train really hard. It was just always sort of my natural inclination, but way way too much i want to be in the gym every day mm-hmm. when i was in grad school i did that i trained every day for like two years straight it wasn't very much but i i needed that it didn't matter what time i always made that time for me that was pu- that was so much therapeutic mm-hmm. i knew i was going to make gains because of you know the way the work schedule but so there is a reason for that but i'm definitely not looking down on that's a there's a reason that question gets asked Mm. so regularly it's because it may it is therefore de facto a good question yeah because it's one that many people have yeah it's one that i would have given the same answer to myself about so i'm not picking on him that's you know and the thing is i hope 
you know, me sort of digging in and like, you know, vetting him out a little bit, looking at his picture. It's like, who knows? Maybe he'll, you know, flip things around and come to realize, you know, I like, I, he likes training, obviously. Yeah. Maybe he'll start to figure out, I like training really, really hard and growing mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> really, really optimally, so to speak, or better than he has been by not going in there so often having those off days. Yeah. Maybe he'll get turned on to that and then five years be like, oh, Jesus, I'm so glad that Scott picked on me on the podcast because <laughs> it, it made a difference. Uh, let's see so. if we have time for another one here. Max Holiday right. says, uh, understanding the thought process behind DC training. How beneficial would a two or three way split be for a guy over 50 uh, from a gaining size slash muscle perspective? FYI, 40 plus years training uh, with multiple DC cycles under my belt since 2008. Well, he kind of tells me he's his experience is better than mine he, he can answer that question much better than i can <laughs> like, right i guess so yeah like you know 40 plus years of training with, i mean that sounds kind of like me and he's understanding the thought process how beneficial so here here's kind of the issue uh, i mean D- dante actually has addressed this with his other with the other splits that he puts forth mm-hmm. for guys who want to do dc training like the five five way split some of that is for more advanced guys. This is one of the things that that Jordan has kind of figured out to some degree is that you know he, he can't recover from the higher frequency. And one issue too is that the more advanced you get, um, the more you have to do in terms of training really hard and the proper amount of volume in order to make a given training session for a given muscle group an actual growth stimulus. Mm-hmm. So it may be that you have to put in so much on a particular day that you go into the gym for that muscle group to get anything that constitutes a real growth stimulus that you have to take more than two or three days off, mm. which I think is, and I want I can't speak for Dante, obviously I'm not his, his guy he was the DC trainer for a while, but I think that's part of the reason at least why his other splits now are like five way splits and those sorts of things. Okay. The other thing about doing DC training when you get older is the reps. It makes more sense for the rep ranges to go up. Hmm. Just, I mean, he, 40 years of training, I'm sure if Max knows this, you know, your your low back, your joints, your your, your tendons, your connective tissue. You know, there is an aging, like one of the, just kind of an aside, like one of the kind of main theories of aging to some degree is, has to do with free radicals. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can take like Drosophila melanogaster, like you can t- that's a fancy word for mosquito and it, uh, give them make transgenic animal models that have very few uh, that have handled fr- uh, free radicals really well and they live longer hmm. so free radical stress is one thing that is involved with aging and free radical stress is not good for for proteins hmm. in terms of their mechanical abilities to withstand stress which is the purpose of connective tissue proteins so we get older and our things get more brittle. It's a yeah. fancy way of just saying that. Joints don't or don't have what they used to have. They get worn down, et cetera. Yeah. So training, you know, trying to pull like, you know, six to eight rep range um, heavy loads doesn't make sense. And I say the same thing for fortitude training, you know, adjust all those things upward. I got things built into the system so that you don't train with those heavy loads. Okay. Um, because there's some fatigue, even with the loading sets, there's some fatigue intentionally built into the rest intervals, so the loads have to be a little bit lighter hmm. than that true six to eight rep range. So, um, 
you'd have to go lighter. I would suggest looking at some of go on intense muscle. There may be some things on professional muscle, but intense muscle's got all Dante's like major stuff. Okay. And look for like the five way split. And but Max pretty much gave me the answer there, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um this is so here's the thing, and Dante's written about this extensively. And and funny because Jordan's doing the same thing. I, I still I'm a member at Jordan's site and I go and check in on him and his his uh uh, training logs and just happened to look the other day and he's doing some things to create novelty of stimulus because he has to where he does like some some pauses like he calls them a squeeze so he's literally squeeze doing squeezing which probably five years ago he would have laughed at himself for writing but he's doing like sets of i think he was doing sets of six with like a two second hold no kidding wow. yeah those are when I mean, this is this is heavy ass shit now yeah, we're not talking he's not picking up pink dumbbells here right we're talking about moving massive amounts of weight but he's got – eventually you do – there is like – there is some logic to say, yeah, you're not going to find someone who's, you know, squatting, you know, Venus by, you know, squatting Saturn, Saturn standing on Venus because mm-hmm. they've gotten so strong, you know, that they're they're now a character from a Marvel comic, you know, strip. Mm-hmm. You can only lift so much weight, eventually you run out, but you can, you can keep upping the ante. So once you've gotten where you're doing 600-pound squats – with a good con- controlled rep tempo in a way that targets the muscles of the legs, which, which you're, if that's what you're doing it for. Now you start, you know, going down and doing like one second pauses in the hole. Yeah. We're not, you're, you're not resting on the connective tissue of your knees or you do slower descents. Or if you're doing like a hand, you know, some sort of biceps curl, you do a one second pause, something like that. That's what I have built into fortitude training with the pump sets. Um, so, there's various variations. DC training has that flexibly built into it because DC training is whatever Dante says DC training is, and he's put those things out. Um, I, I, in part, like, I, I hate to say this, but it's true. I've said it many times. Is fortitude training was, in part, created for me. Hmm. So I could take those quintessential aspects of DC training, the high rep sets like a Widowmaker, but lay off the nervous system. So don't make those hmm. drag on as... Um, discontinuous sets Mm -hmm. and the heavy loading sets that are progressively overloaded but you can't like if you do like let's say you do three sets let's say you're higher on a higher volume you're going to use squats for your loading sets and you've got a six to twelve rep range well your first set is going to have one or two reps in the tank Mm -hmm. so if you're in that rep range you're an older guy well you stay in that 10 to 12 rep range but actually that's like a 14 rep max load if you get 12 reps and you leave two reps in the tank yeah. And you're at the top. And the next set, you're going to have to come down and load. You're still doing a set of 10, leaving one or two reps in the tank. But now you're using what would be if you did DC training or some other training system where you rest completely between those sets. Mm-hmm. Now you're using, uh, you're, you're using much less weight, but you're still training in that a higher rep range. Mm-hmm. And you can still progressively overload. So you're lightening the load a little bit. You're not going like with pansy weights. Yeah. Staying at the upper rep, rep, upper range of that heavy loading set rep range, but you've got a little bit of fatigue built into there, a little bit of reps in reserve. You're being a little bit easier on the nervous system, which doesn't recover quite quite the same. So you're taking care of your your skeletal system, trying to tax the muscular system and lay off the nervous system, the endocrine system, the immune system as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. So I built fortitude training kind of like because I I had that kind of same question. It's like how can I keep, continue doing all the shit that I love about DC training as long as possible. And the whole story we've gone through a million times, but so 
I'm not for I'm not against someone making their own hybrid. You know, he's been at it for 40 years. He's done multiple DC training. If he hasn't tried Fortitude training, give that a go. The way it's written for a couple blasts, and then he might be like, you know, I like the muscle rounds better than rest pause sets. I like the pump sets better than Widowmakers. You know, but I don't like I like you know the way DC does you know the upper lower three times a week. Oh, he so wanted to do it that way. He added uh, uh, was thinking more from a hormone aspect taking TRT. This is Max? Yeah, yeah. So he says, uh, okay, going back to that initial question, so if I apply that, understanding the thought process behind DC training, how beneficial would a two- or three-way split be for a guy over 50 with gaining muscle size? Uh, so... So... Yeah, so there's age and there's hormonal status, natty or enhanced. Yeah, so he's. Yeah, so, sounds like he's on TRT then. Yeah, so, so maybe he wasn't previously. Dante has had lots, lots of guys who were natural. Okay. That was one of the things people said. Oh, you can't do this unless you're enhanced, and it's like oh. you can. You certainly can. I've so, heard people say the same thing about hit training, like, oh, it only worked for the guys that were taking a ton of gear. Yeah, I mean that. The hit, I don't know if the hit training. I'm, <laughs> there's something to say for that argument. I think more so because we know, just for instance, from the um, the Bosn study, where they, you know, the, there's a, there's a study, the classic study, they gave 500, 600 milligrams of testosterone per week. They had mm. four groups: college age guys, training and no training, and then testosterone placebo. Okay. And the no training testosterone grew as much as the the training no placebo oh essentially so gear in of itself can make you grow is what the bottom line comes from that so yes you can do a training program that's asinine for whatever reason and some people might consider an hit training program where you train once every three weeks with one set asinine i'm not saying it is or it isn't but if you have you could have a a very much suboptimal training regime and still get growth by putting in lots of gear yeah okay and we can say that so that's why but i don't but dc training is not a suboptimal training program yeah it's brutal training program and there's no ifs ands or buts about it to be honest in my mind unless unless you just go from pristine form to like floppy biggest asshole in the gym form if you've gone from 225 pound presses to 315 pound presses and 315 365 pound squats to 495 pound squats and pulling 405 to pulling 585 over the course of two years yeah all our things being relatively equal you're going to be a bigger dude yeah that makes the, sense to with, me within what your genetics allow gear or not <laughs> right care. yeah you know so dc training is relies upon that and there's just like there's there's a logic to that which is just so exquisite and so beautiful yeah you know that that is not not beautiful unless you're willing to do the kind of things that you know. Hopefully, people see that video of you, you doing where you dig in, and you say, "Okay, it's it's me versus gravity. Who's going to be the bitch today?" Yeah. And you make you make gravity, um, you know, your bitch for a couple minutes. <laughs> right, right, right. Until know? I can't. So, until I can't. Yeah, you know. yeah. And you just keep on doing that, like in a methodical, like keep grinding away sort of way, and you're going to get stronger and you get bigger. You know, even if it's just five percent, five percent increase in muscle mass for a, this is where I came up with that nine pound 
um, or nine percent when I meant to say nine pounds. Five percent increase in muscle mass for a guy who's like two twenty, two forty, is you know is over five. It's like ten pounds. Yeah. Of muscle mass, that's a shitload. Yeah, I could tell that I'm gaining too. That's the other thing. The reason I'm doing it you is we're commenting. Like, did you look monstrous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll take it. And that's yeah. that's so. Here's the thing: is that I I've been doing this for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. I've been lifting weights for a long time, and uh, the last couple of years I hadn't been eating as much. You know, I hadn't been pushing to grow, but it's it's I still have the experience. I and I can tell you that I realized that I was being limited. It wasn't limited by the drugs. It wasn't limited by the food that it was my training was when I put all the pieces together, the training was subpar. And that's I think that was the thing I really needed to change. And now I think that that's been the factor that's helping. So and now Mm -hmm. I'm adding the gear to it, too, because with this this week, I added 100 milligrams of mint, the trestolone acetate. Or excuse me, the long acting trestolone. Okay. It's interesting. Well, I'd be interested to see. Because there's Victor Black just put a post up I about saw that. Mint. Yeah, Did yeah. Did you see my response? No, I didn't see your response. Okay, I, I just put up a response last night because he, I think he had. I still agree with his general point for not for some people, not always that Mint can or can be good or bad. Uh-huh. Seems like it's hit or miss. Yeah. Some people don't like it, but anyway, you can hear my response. I broke down. He he didn't um, put the actual citations that he was drawing from in that post, and I dug them up. Okay. And and sort of extrapolated the math, and people can go and look that up if they want. But um, the bottom line was that the study looking at hepatotoxicity was in rabbits, okay, not in humans, okay. And if we translate that back down, there was really no hepato- hepatotoxicity given the measures they had in the human equivalent dose of like 200 milligrams of mint per week. Okay, but that's you know. That's translating, assuming that the way the liver handles those things in rabbits versus humans obeys that general, which is a body surface area based translation. But it's the best we have. Hmm. It's a bunch of assumptions, and you can follow along. But it's interesting that you mentioned meant because that was just literally before, half an hour before we came on here. I posted something on that thread okay. about meant. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to check that out then. But I'll, I'll yeah. tell you what, though. So just with 100 milligrams, I think that that's one week in now. I think that that's mm-hmm. been part of, obviously, I've laid the foundation, you know, I've, I've learned how to train right, uh, the, mm-hmm. you know, to get the most out of what I'm doing. And it's like now I'm turning up the gas on it. So I think that that's definitely, I think it's already Good. increased my strength for sure. And let me add one thing too related to Max's that I, I wanted to just kind of say is that if you're progressively over, progressive overload can happen in those more subtle ways. We talk about Jordan doing the holds and those sorts of things, but yeah. simply lightening the load. If you're training the 12 to 12 to 15 rep range or the mm-hmm. 10 to 12 rep range versus the six to eight, which you may have done, you know, back in the day and you like, you're doing sets of 10 with that, with the one fifteens or one twenties, whatever they actually are. Yeah. And you stick with those sets of 10. If that, if you were doing sets of 15 and you also progressed, you know, from with, 100 pounds to 120 pounds for sets of 15 and you progressed from 10 reps with 115 to the 125s mm-hmm. over the same period of time you're going to make gains with both of those there might be some subtle differences maybe some people gain better with heavier versus lighter mm-hmm. but if you're making gains it's still going to translate all other things being equal keeping the form the same this sort of thing so training lighter and adjusting the loads relative to what your skeletal system can handle because you're 
you know, you're 50 and you're on TRT mm-hmm. and dropping the volume down, that's going to be one thing probably mm. that may or may not have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a catch. There's an interesting paradox there because if if you're enhanced, you're going to use heavier loads because you're stronger and you'll be tend to be bigger, which is more taxing. And versus if you're TRT or natural, lighter loads, less taxing because of that. So it could be that the amount of recovery that you're getting from the gear is just is just matching the taxation that comes from being able to train so much heavier. Yeah, right. In a way that it basically doesn't have that gigantic of an effect on training volume. Yeah, right. So right. the guy who's, who's squatting 600 may be able to get away with, you know, five sets a week. But the guy who squats 315 may only be able to get away with five sets a week as well. They're both <laughs> training as hard as they possibly can. One guy's enhanced. That's why he can do that. Yeah. But he also has greater inroads to recover from. So yeah. DC training works for natties and works for works for um, guys who are enhanced. Just got to progress. Right. Um, all right. Be smart. Well, let's get out of here. We've right uh, covered a lot, guys. It was fun. We'll try to hold on to these questions, and uh, if you're interested, we'll uh, we'll cover them the next time we get together. Uh, and I have to say, I'm yeah. sorry. I have I had all those ones from Instagram, and those people I didn't answer any of those, did we? I don't Shit. think. No, we could we could do another one if you want. If we want to try to come back and just knock out a Q and A or something sometime before the next episode, you know, if you have the time, let yeah. me know. I'd be happy to do that. Okay. Yeah, I know because you got you got to roll, but yeah, we can maybe do another one. Maybe I'll do an Instagram Q and A. There you go. Just you can do that. Deep. Yeah, I can do that. All right, guys. Well, for another episode of Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson, I'm Scott McNally. Of course, uh, check out our great sponsor, truenutrition.com, and you can use our code ADVICES. You'll get uh, some additional savings on that. Plus, you support our podcasting, and you support a great company, too. Uh, all their stuff is third-party tested, high-quality supplements. And, of course, go to byobbcoach.com. You can check out Dr. Scott's book there. And, uh, of course, go to uh, Fortitude Training. Not all the fortitude training stuff we're talking about today. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Scott. Adios. Thanks, guys.